Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast has been brought to you by Paleo Valley. They are one of my favorite companies because their products are super pure, full of incredible ingredients. And I want to tell you about their meat sticks. They have 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised turkey meat sticks that my family and I love. My kids love these because they have tons of flavor. They're completely free of carbs and sugar, and they have probiotics in them as well. So they're great for your gut, great for supporting your appetite, your satiety levels. They help you uh, feel satiated, and they help you burn fat for fuel. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, and preservative-free. So they are the top of the line. They've got some great flavors that you will absolutely love. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. I mean, my kids love these, my family loves these, and I know you will as well. So try them out, Paleo Valley, and I know you're going to love them. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited about today's interview. It is with Udo Erasmus, and he wrote a best-selling book called Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill that I read 15, over 15 years ago now, 16 years ago, 2005. I was going through uh, graduate school, and I was taking biochemistry, and I was reading nutrition books at that time, and I found this book and it really helped shape how I look at nutrition and wellness. And uh, so it made a big difference, you know, as far as really shaping what I was going to later teach to my clients. So he had a, you know, an excellent book, over 250,000 copies of this book that he sold. And, um, you know, just a, a really a great master's piece that, that he put together. So it's really an honor for me to be able to interview him. He uh, is also the founder of Udo's Choice Supplement brand. If you go into pretty much almost any health food store these days, you'll find this. Uh, you know, it's, he's a global leader in cutting edge health products. He sold tens of millions of bottles of healthy oils, probiotics, and digestive enzymes. He invented the methodology and machinery that created the healthy fats and oils industry. He introduced the world to the importance of essential fats, EFAs, derived from flax seeds, and he's truly a pioneer in the health and wellness industry. Let's talk about, you know, kind of the start, how you got into this, 
and mm -hmm. uh, you know why you started to to really focus in on healthy fats and bad mm -hmm. fats. Mm -hmm. Well, there, I've, there's a long story and a short story, so I'll give you the short version of the long story. Yeah. I was born during the Second World War, and we were refugees when I was not three years old yet. The communists chasing us in tanks and trucks, and the Allies shooting at us from planes. And we were fleeing out of Poland on horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly women and young children, because all the men were off to war. And just the chaos of that and the fear and the anxiety around it and the not being able to depend on anything kind of was shaped my early childhood. And so I was always trying to figure out how things worked because my cure was if you know how things work, then you know what you can depend on. Mm. So later on, when I got into, into higher education, I got into science to figure out how things work. Then I got into biosciences to figure out how creatures work. Then I got into psychology to figure out how thinking works. And then I got into medicine because I wanted to know how health works, but found out very quickly that it's it was only about disease. Yeah. And I went back into biosciences and got into biochemistry and genetics because when you study biology, you're actually studying the normal functioning of normal creatures as opposed to the dysfunction of sick creatures. And, mm. and medicine focuses on the dysfunction of sick creatures. And I wanted to know what health is because I thought if you knew what health is, you could take a person who's departed from health, turn them around in the direction of health, and then push them, give them a push and get them better. But yeah, you'd have absolutely. to know in what direction to push them and you have to know what health is in order to do that. You know, that really reminds me of, you know, my, my uh, graduate school, my, my first doctorate was in uh, chiropractic and in chiropractic mm -hmm. school, uh, we use the term, you know, the original pioneers of chiropractic use the term dis hyphen ease, right? So somebody would go from health to dis hyphen ease. Dis, dis ease, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they would spend yeah. a lot of time in that state <clears throat> and before finally being diagnosed with a disease. Right. Yeah. Dis ease as opposed to ease, health being ease, right? Mm, yep, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And in the, in the, you know, my, my driver has always been, there must be a way that people can live better than the way I lived during the war. Yeah. And, and there must be a way that people can live in harmony. So that's been my driver all my life. And I eventually I got into self-knowledge because I needed to know how I work. And then I got married, had kids, three kids. My, my marriage broke up. I was really upset. I wanted to kill something, so mm. I took a job as a pesticide sprayer. This is the mm. short story. This is a short story. And when I got poisoned, I went to the doctor and said to the doctor, "What do you have for pesticide poisoning?" And she said, "Nothing." And that was the day self-responsible healthcare started to make sense to me. Oh my God! If I don't care about my health, maybe nobody does. Yeah. And so I then got into because I had the background, I got into reading about health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, wasn't thinking about water and air then at that point, that's also important. So I was focused on nutrition because the idea was, well, your body's made out of food mm -hmm. and every year, 98% of the atoms in your body are removed and replaced. And that means if you're sick, then if you raise your standard of intake of food, water and air, Within one year, you will have rebuilt 98% of your body to a higher standard. That's why healing is possible. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's about standards, right? Mm -hmm. Better, more energy for healing, 
or less toxins or better digestion or making sure that you optimize your intake of all of the essential building blocks. That's the kind of the foundation. And you know, there's psychological stuff too. Sure. I got yeah. into that later. But in terms of the building blocks, in terms of the physical stuff, it's not that complicated. And and the and life heals the body on a continuing basis because it's always turning over. So raise right. the standard and you turn it over into a better place. That's right. right? Absolutely. So, Yep. So important. And so we got to obviously, uh, you know, we got to master our own health and we got to really take responsibility yeah. for it. And it's kind of what you were saying there. That's what you did. Yeah. And so how did you get into studying fats? So, so when I, yeah. So when I was looking at, at the, I, I went into Medline, they had, yeah. uh, they had, uh, 600,000, um, citations, you know, studies on health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, 600,000. Mm, and I was yep. looking at all of it because I'm interested in all of health, not just fats. Yeah. But I got stuck on fats when I realized, you know, there was a contradiction. They said, okay, first of all, there are two essential nutrients that come from fats. One is omega-3 and one is omega-6. We knew omega-3s, omega-6s were essential in 1929. It's a long time ago. Yeah. But omega-3s were established as essential the year after I got poisoned while I had my head buried in the journals. So mm -hmm. I got there right at the beginning of that. And then I, you know, and then they started to say things like, I, I read things like, well, omega-6 is essential, an essential nutrient for every cell in your body. And it gives you cancer and kills you. <laughs> and it drove me nuts. <clears throat> I contradict. How can something yeah. be essential for health and at the same time give you cancer and kill you? And it, that contradiction, trying to figure out that that can't be right, there must be something else I'm missing. That got me into how mm. oils are made, got into mm. production, processing. And then I found out that when oils are made, you know, oils have a very short shelf life, the omega-3 and 6 especially. Mm -hmm. they, they light damage them, oxygen damage them, heat damage them. Right. So they need a lot of care, and we actually give them less care than we give to any other essential mm. nutrient. We throw them in a frying pan. But right. the industry, when they try to make oils have a long shelf life, which by nature, they're kind of not, not such a long shelf life. Yeah. So they want to give them a long shelf life so that they can make them in Vancouver where I am and they can sell them in Johannesburg. Mm. Yep. For that, you need a long shelf life. And so they figured out if you treat the oil with Drano or sodium hydroxide, a very corrosive base, mm to remove things in the oil, then with phosphoric acid, very corrosive acid used for degreasing windows, then they bleach them with bleaching clays, that turns them rancid, and now they have to heat them to frying temperature in order to boil off the rancid molecules. Mm. And at the end of that, you have a colorless, odorless, tasteless oil that has a three-year shelf life, then they flip it in, in a plastic bottle, which is also stupid because oils yeah. swell plastic and plastic leaches into oils right. quicker than into water. And then they put it on the shelf. You get to buy it. Right. In that processing, about 1% of the molecules get damaged. Yeah. 1% doesn't sound like much. And so I, I said to, you know, because I'd been poisoned, I said to the, I, I called the Oil Chemist Society. 
American Oil Chemist Society, the umbrella organization for the industry. And I said, I want to talk to a researcher because I have some questions. He said, okay, no problem. He got me the researcher. And I said to him, hey, listen, when you know it does damage to the oils, why do you do these processes? And he said, well, for one reason is because when we do these, these processes, we can get rid of half of the pesticides in the oil. And of course, I've been poisoned by pesticides. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, you mean the other 50% stays in the oil? That's not what I wanted to hear, right? right? So then I said to him, well, why don't you start with organically grown seeds? And there was this long silence at the other end of the phone. And I waited, you know, I'm obviously, you all probably know I, I'm a talker. Yeah. I can, I can listen to. So I waited and waited and waited. And he came back and he, he was really angry. He said, I don't know what your problem is. The oil is only, you know, 1% damaged. And if you got 99% on an exam, you'd be damn happy, wouldn't you? This is what he said, right? Right. So there were two things. One was I used to get 100% in my genetics exam because <laughs> I was really good at it because I was so interested in it. Yeah. And uh, and so I wasn't impressed with the 99% as much as he was. But the second thing was that I thought, well, maybe I'm overreacting. After all, it's only 1%. Mm -hmm. So we were told in, in school, when in doubt, do the math. So I decided to do the math. and. I decided how many damaged molecules are you going to find in one tablespoon of an oil that is 1% damaged by the processing? And I ask people, and they always underestimate the amount of damage by at least a billion times. Really? In one tablespoon of an oil 1% damaged by processing, you get 60 quintillion damaged molecules. Wow. That's that's more than a million damaged molecules yeah. for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. Yeah. <clears throat> By damaged molecules, would that be like trans fats that would be All kinds of different created ones. in there? Trans fats, fragmented molecules, cyclized yeah. molecules, uh, uh, cross-linked molecules within triglycerides, cross-linked molecules across triglycerides, uh, dimers, trimers, polymers. Mm-hmm all things for that never existed in nature for which life never made a genetic breakdown program. Right. So then you eat them and they pile up in your body and wherever they go, they interfere with what's supposed to be going on. And that's how you get sick. That's how yeah. you get poisoned. So they're, they're poisonous because they're unnatural. Life right. doesn't have a way. We don't have a genetic program that codes for something to break it down. And so yeah. then they pile up and you take one tablespoon, I, I told you, over a million damaged molecules for yeah. every cell. But right. we use two to four a day. And when we throw them in the frying pan, you got to multiply that number by another three yeah. to six times. And then you do that not just one day, not just one week, not just one year. You do it for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And maybe you get cancer because the, the, the molecules that interfere with uh, body architecture or body biochemistry, uh, the, they drive your immune system crazy. Yeah. Because your immune system gets you chronic inflammation and right. inflammation's behind what? Cancer, atherosclerosis, yeah. Alzheimer's, you know, the, rheumat yeah. the rheumatic diseases, the arthritic diseases. Yeah. And then and within many the other cell. degenerative diseases. Right. And then within the cell, they're driving up oxidative stress that's damaging the mitochondria, right. damaging the DNA. Right. 
Yeah. They are there, and there's also research that these damaged molecules interfere with the process of oxidation, which yeah. is where all of our energy comes from. That's right. And so, and so when I when I found all of that out, and omega threes are essential, and every cell needs them, and 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega three for optimum health. You know, I had a, you know, I, I lit up like a firecracker. I said, oh my God, if we could make oils with health in mind and we could bring them back into the population and make them available to people, we could help so many people. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that just lit me up like a firecracker. And then that, that whole thing, I have no, I have no business background. Yeah. You know, I've been around it now for a while. So I, 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 a little bit, you know, but I didn't have any business background. I had a huge amount of enthusiasm. And right. so that whole thing got driven by the enthusiasm of being able to help so many people get better quality of life. That's yeah, and you definitely have as well, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously your book has been read by over 250,000 people around the world. Yeah. Um, well, your products it's, it's, been, it's been bought by 250,000. Maybe yeah, hopefully they've read it. Right? <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe don't only got read by 10 people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was one of those. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, you've obviously you've, your products are, are all over the place. I see them pretty much in every health food store that I go into. So yeah. you've done a great job at, you know, getting the word out and uh, getting your products out there and into people's hands. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about, you know, you, you, you like which types of fats um, should we make sure that we're avoiding? You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, for example, you know, they, they growing up, my parents used to have vegetable oil in mm -hmm. our cabinet, right? And you mm -hmm. think that title vegetable oil, right? We're told we need to eat more vegetables, right? So we we think that that's healthy. Sounds like really but, good. Yeah. Right? Sounds like it's good. But obviously, you know, based on uh, all your research, we know that that's not good at all. So let's clarify what fats yeah. kill, and then we'll go into okay. the fats that heal. Okay. They're really, if the fats that kill, number one, trans fatty acids. Those yeah. are not the worst, but they're bad enough. And we all know that now, but they were, they were in, in products for almost a hundred years without ever needing to be labeled mm. as present in it. And you could figure out how much trans fatty acids there were by summing up the saturated monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, and then looking at how, how close that was to a hundred percent of the total fat. And the part that was missing was the trans fatty acids, but most people okay. didn't know that. Right. right? Yeah. So, uh, and so they, they didn't, they didn't Harvard, label them. Right. So. They weren't, they didn't have to be on the label. Yeah. Uh, Harvard school of public health blew the whistle on them. Very courageous thing they did yeah. because sometimes it doesn't go well when you go against the sure. industry. And, uh, so everybody knows about them now and, uh, there are not so many in the food supply, even though, you, there are still some, if you have less than half a percent trans fatty acids, right. you can say there are no trans fatty acids on the label. Yeah, so, actually, I think it's just less than a half a gram. I know you said percent, but no, I think half, than, no, ha, uh, half a percent. Okay, per serving. Half a percent of whatever, 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 half a percent of the whole deal or half a percent of serving. Right. I think it's because I know, like with Girl Scout cookies, yeah, you know, they, um, they didn't change. This is what I had heard: was when uh, when the laws came out on trans fats, they didn't actually change the recipe. They just changed the serving size, right? So it used to be like four <laughs> cookies. They changed it to one cookie, and okay. that lowered the amount of trans fat to like uh, less than a half a gram. And then okay. they didn't have. Then they could say trans fat free, even though it wasn't actually trans fat free. 
And right. you can look on the ingredients and you can see high, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, which we know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know is trans fat. But you know there are trans fats in but it. But they use that trick to kind of get through right. the system. Okay. I, I didn't know that. That's new information. Yeah. And they could have just replaced them with, satur with saturated I, fats. Yeah, exactly. Because they have the same properties, but they're not, they don't, they're, they're more natural. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm, that's a disappointing decision. Hopefully they've done that. View. I haven't looked in years, but well, uh, after after this, they may start yeah, <laughs> thinking right, about exactly. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's one. The worst is fried oils. Mm. When you fry, I I, I say to people, look, oils are vindictive. They will treat you like you treat them. So if you make them with care, then they will take care of your health. Yeah. And if you fry them, they will fry your health. Right. Fried oils fry health. It's like a chant yep. we should have. Fried oils fry health. Fried <laughs> oils fry health. Uh, so those that's probably the worst. And I think the worst thing we've ever invented to do to our food is inventing frying pans. Yeah. So you're saying all oils, because some have better oxidative stability than others. Yeah. So all if you burn the food, then you've made it toxic. Because burnt food right. is toxic. Whether it's starch you burn, that'll increase inflammation and risk of cancer. Because you, you create protein. acrylamide, right? When you burn starch. Acrylamides, yeah. Yep. And in, in and proteins yeah. increase increase inflammation and cancer when you fry it. Mm -hmm. And oils increase inflammation and cancer when you fry them, independent of each other. Right. So everything you burn becomes toxic. You know, it becomes partially toxic. Yeah. So, uh, so, so frying is a really bad idea. And I tell people they get their, to get their frying pan out, pull, turn it upside down, hit themselves on the head with it really hard. So it's associated mm. with pain and then park it in the garbage can. Now you're saying, so there are certain oils that have much lower oxidative stability yeah. okay, right, than down. others, you know, like corn oil, for example, would be very low right. oxidative stability. Uh, or, or fish oil or flaxseed oil, you know, long chain omega-3s or long, just, you know, a lot, yeah. a lot more uh, unsaturated yeah. fats. Yeah. Whereas like the saturated fats or something like olive oil, which has a lot of polyphenols in it, have a much greater oxidative stability. Right. So, so the oxidative stability makes a difference. The yeah. more sensitive the oil are, so omega-3s more than omega-6, more than olive oil, yeah. more than saturated fat. The, the, the more double bonds they have, the more chemically sensitive they are, the right. closer they are to being essential, the worse they get when you fry them. Right. But so, but then people say, okay, well, if, if you fry, oh, just use saturated fats. No, because you're still going to burn your food and you're still going to wreck the oil and you're still going to increase inflammation and cancer. So the best thing you can say about hard fats for frying is that it's less worse Right. Than using the liquid oils. But it's not good advice for health to tell people to fry oils. It'd be better to tell them cook in water and then add oils made with health in mind, undamaged mm. and okay. rich and balanced in omega-3 and omega-6 to your food after it comes off the heat. And then right. what you get is they enhance flavors and they also improve the absorption of the oil-soluble nutrients in foods. So it's, it, they're yeah. actually, it's good for health to put oil on foods after they come off the heat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
So you're talking about obviously frying oil. So that's fried. The second is oils. the second is the 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 so-called cooking salad and culinary oils, the yeah. colorless, odorless, tasteless ones, because of that one percent damage that's already been done to them by the processing bef before they go in the bottle before you buy them. Right. And and in terms of cooking and salad oils, you can use good oils in salad. You can use better oils in salads. And you, it's better to use water for cooking. In fact, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, cooking meant boiling things in water. Yeah. And the other one was called frying. Now, when okay. we talk about oh, cooking with oils, it makes it sound like we're doing something good, but we're not cooking with oils. We're frying. We're frying. We're burning the foods. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, so the so the cooking oils are the second. The third is is uh, the trans, well, we already talked about trans fats, so that was number three. And number four is saturated fats. But there's a, this is an interest, this will be an interesting story for you because I know you're into keto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So saturated fats make platelets more sticky and make people more insulin resistant. But if you have enough omega-3s in your diet, Omega-3s make your platelets less sticky and make you more insulin sensitive. So if you, if you make sure you bring in the omega-3 and omega-6 undamaged in optimum quantities, you can eat saturated fats and they will not cause you problems because they do the opposite of what the saturated fats do. And you almost have to say that the problems that saturated fats cause should actually be blamed on not getting enough omega-3 in your diet. Yeah, I I, um, I actually agree. And then I also have a, a disagreement with that statement. I mm -hmm. definitely agree that um, with your, your second statement, you got to have the yeah. omega-3s in there. Yeah. Now, the first statement that saturated fats alone cause platelet aggregation and inflammation, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't, I disagree with that. I think that the studies were done on people that had a higher carbohydrate diet. So they had higher amount of okay. insulin in mm -hmm. their system. So they weren't controlled well. Okay. So based on that, because um, what, what tends to happen is, you know, if people are eating, because our society has demonized saturated fat, mm -hmm. people that tend to eat have eaten them when they were doing those studies. You know, now people are starting to open up to, you know, uh, healthy fats and things like that. But back then, those tended to be people that, um, didn't take as good a care of their health to begin with. So they were eating, mm -hmm. you know, the burger and fries, right? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to people that ate more polyunsaturated fats tend to be your vegetarians, right? And things like that, that also practice other healthy practices. You know, they ate more vegetables, less likely mm -hmm. to smoke, things like that. So I think that there were not, the studies weren't controlled well enough. So I think it was more mm -hmm. causation than, um, or a correlation rather than- Correlation than causation. Uh, what I would like to see would be, taking a look at somebody that is on a low carb diet, less than 20% of their calories coming from carbohydrates and looking at their saturated fat levels, right? Comparing that with somebody that same amount of carbohydrates, let's say same macronutrients, you know, but a lower level of saturated fat and then looking at inflammatory levels, right? And having kind of two big groups. I think if we did that study, we'd be able to understand that. Um, yeah. So that's my statement on the first one, but the, the mm -hmm. second one I totally agree with. You yeah. definitely have to have the omega threes in order to yeah. just keep inflammation under control, and they go hand in hand with saturated fats, right? Because when mm -hmm. you look at the cell, the saturated fat is 
really stabilizing and the poly and the omega-3 is fluid yes. so it allows kind of those hormone receptors to right. and there's a balance between those two there's a balance exactly and even yep. cholesterol gets involved in making sure that's that right and i think i learned that from you from your book actually <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> but but uh so they but when it comes to the whole issue of fats the whole universe of fats there are only two things you have to have omega-3 and omega-6 Mm -hmm. You want them in the right ratio because they compete. Because if you get too right. much of one, it'll crowd out the other. If you get too much of the other, it'll crowd out the one. So you need them in the right ratio. They need to be made under protection from light, oxygen, and heat so they don't get damaged right. in the process of being made. Because they're very fragile. Because they're very, very sensitive. And yeah, so they the can reason why quickly. they're so energetic in the body, which I'll yeah. get to that in a second, is because they're so chemically active. So, you, right. so the chemically active is a good thing, but then if you just let them lie around, then they're like perishable, perishable foods. So you right. need to protect them. So we put them in a brown glass bottle. We put a box around the bottle. We put them in the fridge in the factory. We put them in the fridge in the stores and you keep them in the fridge at your home. And right. when we ship them for longer than two weeks, they are shipped refrigerated. So, so a lot of care gets taken to keep the most sensitive of our, all of our essential nutrients to keep them stable, not stable, to keep them undamaged. So right. a lot, a lot of care went into that and how the, how the system for pressing, uh, filtering, uh, settling, filling is done. It has to be so tight that no, no light, no oxygen, and only low heat gets to the oil while it's being produced yeah from the time it's in the seed to the time it's it's in the bottle nitrogen flushed and in the fridge with the box around it yeah can't have light or oxygen in it and light and oxygen go you know i mean they go everywhere so that so the system has to be super 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 tight and that's is yeah. in a way is my claim to fame i decided to give them the the care they need now if you have those two everything else your body can actually make all of the saturated fats and all of the monounsaturated fats and all of the omega-3 and 6 derivatives, like the stuff you get in fish oil, which are yeah. the most damaged of our oils, your body can actually make all of those because every cell has the genes to do that. Right. And, and, so, and so what we started to do is actually, we kind of pioneered the keto diet, but we never called it mm -hmm. that and we never made a point of it. But what we used to do is we worked with athletes and the athletes were all carb loading. And when you carb load, you get about a pound of glycogen, uh, right. animal starch in your liver and your muscles. And then you go and run your marathon. And in those days, you couldn't drink sugar drinks while you were running. So you literally had to do it on whatever you had going in your body. At mile 20, they ran out of carbs because that's all you get out of all of the yeah. glycogen you can store. It's about 20 miles. And their carb burning genes were turned on, but their their fat burning genes were turned off mm. because carbs turn off fat burning in the body. Right. And they turn on fat production. And and the body will burn the carbs first because they're they they're potentially can be harmful. High blood right. sugar, low blood sugar. Yeah. So we said to those guys, you guys, you're doing it wrong. What you need to do is carb deplete. Mm. And yeah. you need so that when you start your race, 
your fat burning genes should be turned on full bore. Right, for sure. And you run the entire race on fats. Because if you weighed, if you were normal weight and your body, uh, your your fat percentage was 8% and you burned a half of that, in other words, 4%, you could run 300 miles on that. Yeah, you got tons of fuel in the bank. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And And, and carbs are... And yeah, fat has always gets... been the energy storage. It's more yeah, efficient exactly. storage for weight. It ha- has more calories per gram. Right. And it can go, it, it can take you a long ways. So we said to them, so carb deplete before the race and tank up on your omega-3 and 6. Yeah. Because omega-3s turn on fat burning actively yeah. and turn off fat production. Right. And one of, one of the key and, ways they do that is they improve insulin sensitivity. So when, right. you know, and, and really that's the key hormones. When insulin's elevated, you're going to store fat, burn yeah. sugar. And yeah. when insulin's down, because your body's very responsive to it, right. you're able to keep it low and you keep a, you know, the carbohydrate levels down, then you're going to be able to burn fat for fuel. And omega-3 right. is really key for that. And then your body also gets thrifty at using carbs. So it says, you know, I only have a certain amount here stored in my muscles and liver. I'm yeah. only going to use it for when I'm in a really truly anaerobic state, right? Yeah. So like when you can't get enough oxygen to burn sufficient fat, then you kick into that glycolysis and use the sugar for fuel. But other than that, right. you know, you're burning fat, you're in aerobic right. Like, so we didn't take it yeah. down to that level, but we just were. Yeah. So what happened is not everybody followed us because it was so completely against the the right what, yeah. what people were told. Yeah. But the ones who did said, you know, I did what you said, and I when I got, when I finished running my marathon, I never hit the wall, and when I finished my marathon, I felt like I had enough energy to run another one. Yeah, it makes sense because also their inflammation oxidative stress was a lot lower and right. they were they were producing ketones. They were running off of those ketones right. as well. And on top of that, less, less water retention because right. carbs make you retain water. So you have a little more more weight to 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 slug those six twenty-six miles. Right, so, right, exactly. So and and the keto diets now, they work for weight management. Mm-hmm. Part of it is dehydration, but part of it is the yeah. uh, early stages, burning. Yeah. dehydration, yeah. But they're not long-term sustainable if you don't also make sure that you get enough omega-3 mm-hmm. and omega-6s because yeah. those are essential. And there are many yeah. people who don't do that. And part of the reason I think is because omega-3 and 6s take a lot more care. You can't just flip them somewhere. You have to you have to treat them with care and you have to protect them from light. Yeah, and a lot of, and in a lot of cases, people are getting a lot of damaged fats and uh, damaged yeah. omega, and, and an improper yeah. ratio where they're getting way too much omega-6, you know, yeah. not enough omega-3. That's yeah. also another big factor there. Huge, huge factor because we we've because omega-6s are in every uh, seed nut oil. Right. Omega-3s are only there are only a few sources. Yeah, and they're more absolutely. northern or southern sources because they're high energy fats. Because when it gets cold up in the north, <laughs> you need more energy. Right. Even the fish, you know, when they when they're in like really cold water, you know, they have a lot of omega threes. That's where the fish omega threes come from. Yep. Because in that cold water, and they're they're not warm blooded, you know, so that they, they basically go inactive, just like insects do when it gets cold. Yeah, but in, but in the water, the the seals are warm blooded, so right. they could buzz around in that cold water. So the fish have to have something that protects them, so they can get away 
on a, on a moment's notice in, in that environment. Yeah, so those long chain threes, omega threes. Yeah, those are those are long chain omega threes. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about omega threes because you have short yeah. chain omega threes like ALA, yeah, alpha linoleic acid, which you know is is in flaxseed and walnuts yeah. and things like that, plant foods. Yeah. And then you have got your long chain omega threes, which is what we find in things like cold water fish, like you talked about. And that's your EPA and your DHA. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about. I know you're a big fan of flax. So when yeah. some people are taking well, omega threes. Yeah, yeah. We we invented we developed flax flaxseed oil. Right. That was our first oil, because because when I found out that most people don't get enough omega threes, and how sensitive they are, so like if we could make them with health in mind and bring them back to the population, a lot of good things should happen. Yeah, because every cell needs them. So if you're not getting enough for optimum health, then they should have effects on every part of the body. And the research now says that if you increase omega three or when you increase omega threes provided they're not damaged and don't contain toxic toxic chemicals, you can improve virtually every major degenerative condition of our time. That's, mm. that's a summary of the research. Right. So, so they have widespread effects. Uh, I've basically, when I started, I already knew about fish oils and I already knew about the damage done to fish oils. And so I never worked with fish oils mm -hmm. uh, because it, it was too damaged for me. Uh, so I'd, my thought was, well, you know, the body can turn alpha linolenic acid, the plant omega-3 essential fatty acid, into essential fatty acid derivatives, that EPA and DHA that you find in mm -hmm. fish oil. Let's just make sure we get enough starting material so that the body can do the conversion. Because if you have no starting material, yeah. you can't do any conversion. Yeah. So we just wanted to build the foundation. And these are these are food oils. This is the food oil foundation, omega-3 and 6 in the food oil foundation. That foundation is messed up. We have too much 6, not enough 3. The omega-6s are partially damaged. So what we said is, why don't we just create something? First, we did, did flaxseed oil. I became omega-6 deficient on flaxseed oil. Because I used it as my only source of fat in the diet. I wanted to see what would happen. Oh, yeah. So I got dry eyes, skipped heartbeats, mm. arthritis like pain in finger joints, and thin papery skin. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment and tell you about my new book, The Fasting Transformation. I am so excited about this book. It is a functional guide to help you burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. Fasting is the most ancient form of natural medicine. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting improves your blood sugar and your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in your body, optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and helps activate stem cells and deep cellular healing. Guys, you're gonna learn so much from this book. You can check it out, The Fasting Transformation on Amazon or on our webpage, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. So check that out now. You guys are gonna love the book. And if you have a chance, leave a review on Amazon. Thanks so much. 
Now, you weren't consuming like any olive oil or anything. You were no, just I, doing flax. I was only using flax oil because <laughs> I, I was doing an experiment. You're doing an experiment, yeah. Yeah, because the guys don't try I that at home, with, folks. <laughs> yeah, don't try it at home. It's been done. <laughs> yeah. We know the answer. Yeah. Uh, no, it's because the guys I've worked with started saying flaxseed mm. flaxseed oil is the best source of both essential fatty acids, and I don't didn't think that was true because I knew what the ratio was. Yeah. But I didn't have proof, so I let well, let, let me at least try it on myself. <clears throat> so I fixed it by eating sunflower seeds. Sunflower mm -hmm. seed oil has only omega-6, there's no omega-3. And then I got the balance back and all of the symptoms disappeared. Mm. And at that point, I said, you know, we should, we should balance this oil better. Because if people can get deficient, because there was a big buzz about flax oil, oh, flax oil, flax oil, flax oil. And I, I, I ran into other people who just took flax oil because it was the great oil. Yeah. And they became omega-6 deficient. So I said, I'm right. trying to get people healthy we need to balance this balance yeah. it better and then we developed now, a plan no the thing is that i don't think that most people would do a flaxseed oil only diet though right so so a lot no, of people are, are eating nuts they're eating you know think maybe grains you know uh, yeah. meat things like that that may be higher in omega-6 too yeah but well most of the seeds and nuts will still be higher in omega-6s right too. exactly yeah flax uh, is yes, really the only one that's that, really high yeah, that's that really is, high it's, yeah, walnuts so have it, but they're not like, but they still have a lot of omega-6 too. Small amount. Yeah. yeah. They have a lot of omega-6. Right. And hemp, uh, so how about hemp? Hemp is like what, four to one hemp, ratio? No, three to one. Three to one? Yeah, three it's times more, more omega-6. I work with two times more omega-3 because they're the high energy. They're the ones that do so many things. They're the right. ones that almost everybody isn't getting enough of. But and so you're in your supplement, it's a two to one ratio, omega-3 to omega-6. Correct. Yep. But and most people in, also, because of their diet, their diet tends to be a lot higher in omega-6. So your supplement is helping balance that. Yeah. Well, we're doing it for, we're doing it for, we want to do high grade the omega-3s because they're yeah. missing. But we also want to give them omega-6s made with health in mind. Right, right. Because most of the omega-6s that we get from oils are not made with health Damage. in mind. Yeah. And we want to get more omega-3s, but enough omega-6s. Right. So that's that's why we made the blend that way. And if you're healthy, you could go, you could eat seeds and nuts till you got to a ratio of maybe four to one in favor of omega-6s. Right. So four or to maybe one omega-6 to omega-3 is kind of, <clears throat> yeah. I've heard if people say the ideal ratio is somewhere between two to one <clears throat> and four to one omega-6 to omega-3 <clears throat> is like, yeah. as far as like the overall. <clears throat> yeah. It depends on who you ask. Yeah. Four to one in favor of omega-6s. Right. They, they call, they, what did they call that? They call that the perfect ratio. But yeah. you know what? We have always gotten better results with twice as much omega-3 because of the energy and the healing that it does. And, I, and you know, I think that's also so, because it's so much easier to get omega-6s in your diet, in today's diet. Right. So most right. people are get, are eating a diet that's probably like eight to one, 10 to one. So yeah, 10 to one, 20 to one. 20 to yeah. one, yeah. 20, well, good. yeah. And, I, and even health conscious people, right? So you're, your non-health conscious <laughs> yeah. people are probably doing like 20 to one, right? Way right. more omega-6 to omega-3, creating right. prostaglandin imbalances, oxidative stress and inflammation. Lots and then of your health conscious people are eating more like eight to one or 10 to one. So they still yeah. need the omega-3s to balance that ratio. Yeah, yeah. So so that's why we high grade them. Mm -hmm. But if but so what I say to people is, look, if you're healthy, you can go all the way to one to four instead of right. two to one. 
But if you start getting problems, then you better suck back to the mm. two to one ratio. Yeah. So, you know, because my deal isn't you got to buy my stuff. My deal is I want you healthy. So sure, I, I yeah, want to I want to give you whatever information I can that you can use in practice that get yeah. that keep you healthy and that make you healthier. Yeah, yeah and that but makes we sense. We high graded, no. but we high graded the omega omega threes right. just simply because yeah. so many people don't get enough, and they affect positively so many conditions. Yeah. And you, obviously you were the one that really pioneered the idea that these fats are so fragile and mm -hmm. the, the manufacturing process needs to really take that into mind, keep them really yeah. delicate. And yeah. also like the dark amber glass bottle. Cause we know plastic leaches out phthalates yeah. and all kinds of yeah. toxins. Yeah. But if you just have a glass bottle, like a lot, you know, some brands used to have just kind of a plain glass bottle. You still have the light coming in, oxidizing these right. oils. Yeah, right. not oxidizing. What what light does is it creates free radicals, and then right. free radicals create chain reactions. Yeah, and they and and every time you create a free radical, it just takes one photon of light. Yeah, and there's tons of them going through. The average t uh, uh, when when you get a chain reaction, on average, thirty thousand reactions happen before that free radical comes back into a pair and ends yeah. that chain reaction. So it's 30,000 for each ray of light. Right. <laughs> and, there, and there are so many rays of light going through the glass. So you say, no, 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 we got to cut out the light. Brown yeah. bottle, but that's not enough. So we put it in a box. Right, so that, right, to help protect know, it. Yeah. And it's like, it's a pain to do all that, you know, and sure. glass is harder to, you know, it's more expensive and it can break and it's it costs, it weighs more, so it costs more to ship. But you know what? life needs requires care yeah you gotta do it <laughs> exactly now yeah, so what you can't what you need to, to take ala the small chain omega-3 and to be able yeah. to convert it into yeah. epa and dha because you know the best the best studies on omega-3s have been done showing you know the best the health benefits come from the the long chain epa and dha ala definitely has benefits yeah but your body's got to convert it and it yeah. uses the delta-6 desaturase enzyme now i've heard mm -hmm. that um, that process is very energy depend dependent and, uh, it's, there's like a very, I've heard somewhere like one to 5% gets converted, uh, mm -hmm. in the liver. So like for every but, one, yeah. you know, or, t you know, one part of, uh, ALA you take in only one to 5% of that's going to be able to convert into EPA and DHA. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, the, the research over the years has, has, different people have measured it in different ways and gotten widely different results. So there's something not right because it should be consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's agreed that women convert better than men. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Why? Because when a woman is pregnant, she needs to feed one brain yeah. and she needs to build another. Right. So her ability to convert alpha linolenic acid into EPA and DHA, or especially DHA, the brain as the brain omega three, is very important. Men never get pregnant, hardly ever get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't need that conversion. But uh, in in 2015, there was a study that came that ex explained where all of this is off, and it goes like this. They, they, they looked at how these studies are done. So they give them radioactive, not radioactive, uh, la uh, uh, labeled alpha-linolenic acid, and they give them a shot in the arm. 
Okay, so then yeah. they know exactly five grams of ALA labeled, and then they measure how much labeled DHA you end up with. That's how they did it. Right, that makes sense. They, it, they completely ignored that you already have 15 to 50 grams of ALA in your body, also available for conversion. They just ignored it. So, so where is that? Where is that extra ALA sitting? Just in cell membranes? In cell membranes, in your fat tissues? Okay, everywhere. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, the 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 most available is stored in your membranes, right, right, and then balanced with cholesterol and saturated yeah. fatty acids. And that's why when you eat like grass-fed beef, you're also getting ALA in that, for example. A little, a very small amount because yeah. this in the bacteria in the stomach of uh, cows uh, or of beef actually saturate the ALA. And that's also why you get trans fatty acids in beef and mm. in, in milk product, dairy products. So, um, but um, what were you we talking about? We were talking about uh, the conversion of ALA. Oh, the conversion, yeah. yeah. So they figured out that the, the conversion because of the way these experiments are done and ignore so much of the ALA that's already in the body underestimate by at least three times the rate of conversion. So it'd be like three to, you know, three to 10 times, mm. depending on how much ALA yeah. you have in your tissues that isn't labeled, but that is also available for conversion. Second thing is they didn't, they didn't measure how much of the DHA was retroconverted into EPA because that happens in the body. And they didn't, uh, they didn't measure how much of the labeled DHA was forward converted into, into eicosanoids, prostaglandins, prostacyclins, mm -hmm. or maricins, or resolvents, or protectants, which are uh, antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. So they just ignored that part. So, so the body makes the those compounds. Out of DHA. Yeah, right. <clears throat> right? So... The, it's not like it just goes from ALA to DHA and it's over. Right. right. There it's are hundreds of things, things that yeah. the body makes out of these essential fatty acids. And we're and we're not even we don't even know them all yet. Yeah. Okay, so that was the second mistake. The third thing was they found out that the turnover of the brain of DHA is only two uh, two point four to three point eight milligrams a day. That means if you got one gram of ALA, you would have more than enough to make that. Now, some of it okay. is burned for energy if right. it's in the triglyceride form. So you have to take that into account. And what we do when we tell people a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day of the blend. Yeah. You're getting, uh, I, I weigh about 200 pounds, four tablespoons, 56 grams. It's about 40%. ALA. So I'm getting like 20 grams of ALA. Right. That's like more than I need. Yeah. In order to, and so the conversion could be less than 0.5% and I would still get enough DHA. And why the brain? Because brain has the most DHA. There's also right. in some in the retina and there's some in sperm. Uh, those are the highest uh, DHA. Um, and one of your formulations, you also added in algae oil. <clears throat> yeah, which has yeah. A concentrated DHA, which is basically where the fish get the DHA. Yeah, and we and and that was recommended for people who are pregnant, 
mm-hmm. you know, if they're not sure, it's it's yeah. almost more a it's almost more a a factor of of uh, you know worrying about oh my god because so much marketing information says oh the body can't convert oh you got to have fish oil, you know even I've seen a study where the study said women can convert five to ten percent of the ALA they get into DHA, men can can't can only convert about one percent. Therefore, everybody should take fish oils. That's what they that's mm-hmm. what the conclusion was of a study that the study actually right. said something different. So there's a lot of crazy stuff going on that yeah. is about market protection that you have to sometimes wade through. Gotcha. I see. So how about things that can help enhance that conversion? Are there like herbs or different nutrients yes. that are needed to yeah. help uh, yeah. the conversion of ALA into DHA? Yeah, this came uh, this came out of uh, you know there's there the the, the Brahmin caste in India, three hundred million people, yeah, for at least five thousand years, no fish, no fish oil, yeah, no krill oil. Krill oil, by the way, is what I would recommend if you want to take a supplement. Yeah, because it's made different, it's not damaged, it's in a form that's better absorbed and better conserved in okay. the body. Mm-hmm. But they have never had them, but they have some ALA in their psyllium seed, not the husks, but the seed. Yeah. And there's a little bit in green vegetables, and yeah. there's a little bit in in lentils and beans and and all right. those kind of things. Uh, they must be converting because they have just their brains work just as well, their vision is just as good as, and they reproduce reproduce mm. just as well as fish eaters. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I found out is turmeric right. improves the conversion of omega threes mm. to omega three derivatives. That's good to know. Well, they have ALA. Turmeric. I do, there are probably other ones, but that's yeah. only beginning. I thought they yeah, found it because they have like curries that have like yeah all, all the curries. Yeah, exactly. All the curries have turmeric in them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And uh, and then the other other thing is that if you don't have enough B six and B three yeah. and C and zinc mm. and magnesium, then that will inhibit conversion. You know, so the other way around, if you and those are sure. big things, because a lot of people are zinc deficient. Oh, sure. You know, uh, that's become a, a much larger topic of conversation, especially with coronavirus and things like that. Yeah. Magnesium sure. is a big deficiency. Yeah, 20 so, yeah, percent. Yeah, exactly. So the, Vita- yeah, vitamin critical. D is not involved in it, as far as I know. Really? And then the other thing is that probiotics, their growth mm. is enhanced by omega-3s. Yeah. And I think they're also involved in in omega-3 conversion. So synergistic so, relationship syner- there. That would make yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another th- another thing that a lot of people don't get enough of mm-hmm. because when you cook your foods, you kill the probiotics that, that covered the right. food in nature. Right. Nature's yeah. mandate was always fresh, whole, raw, organic, yeah, mostly plant-based. <clears throat> and the probiotics were on that food. So when yeah. a cow eats grass in the meadow, it has like a yogurty smell yeah mouth smell because the probiotics are introduced in its mouth they work their way through the whole body and the rot bacteria that would otherwise take their place are kept in check by the probiotics right and this they got a lot of soil compounds too like humic acids and fulvic acids that are coming in there right which True. actually enhance even deeper delivery of nutrients so really interesting True. you know yeah, yeah um you know when it's come when it comes from nature right it's uh, <laughs> you know what God God knew what God sure knew did. what she was doing when she created everything. <laughs> yeah, he right? sure did. And That's... and we and we mess with it at our peril. We do exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, 
So let, let's talk about um, coffee and, yeah. uh, you know, the popular drink is, yeah. you know, putting in like butter in your coffee and making bulletproof coffee. Yeah. Now, now do you put flax oil in, in coffee? How is that beneficial? I've done it. It, it yeah. blends better than, than the harder fats. Mm-hmm. And it's better from the perspective that it, it's essential. Yeah. And it's better from the perspective is not only do you get the buzz from the coffee, the energy buzz right. from the coffee, but you also get an energy buzz from the omega-3s. Yeah. And so my my recommendation w- would be is if you want it the best, if you want to do it the best way, pour good oil in it. Yeah. Good oil made with health in mind. Right. Makes you know, sense. Or or mix or mix the, you know, mix your coconut or butter yeah. with some with some of it. Because it'll blend, it'll blend just as well. It'll taste just as well. Yeah. And it'll get you, it'll get you even a better energy hit than coffee will do by itself. Because basically the the fat is in there as fuel. Yeah, exactly. So get the best fuel. The best fuel is, you know, when we worked with athletes with the blend, within a month of taking a tablespoon for 50 pounds of body weight per day, mixed in food and their intake spread out over the course of the day within a month there when they worked their sport to exhaustion they had 40 to 60 percent increase in stamina on average just yeah, makes for, sense and that all comes from the omega-3s right the omega-3s. it's the highest it's the highest energy molecule of all of our essential nutrients yeah super important it's something that we've got to get into our diet so critical yeah. And uh, obviously, we can supplement with it as well. What is I'm interested in knowing what your daily routine is like. What your what's your daily diet? Do you eat three meals a day? Do you snack? Do you do intermittent fasting? What do your meals look like on a typical basis? <clears throat> I think the shortest way to say is I screw around a lot because <laughs> I'm always trying something. Yeah, I find it interesting, right? I mean, you have a body and it it gives you feedback right. if you're paying attention. So. You know, if your mother said, don't play with your food, that's the only advice your mother ever gave you that you should not listen to. <laughs> because, because if you if you don't play with your food, how will you know what works and what works better and what doesn't? Yeah, work? trial and error, right? It's exactly. not like it's like we were told, eat everything on your plate, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's yeah. after the war, right? Eat everything on your plate. Sure. No, play with your food. Find out what works for you because your body is not the same as everybody else's body. And yeah. some things that work for a lot of people might not work for you. Yeah. Well, what do you, you typically do, you know? do? Do you follow like a, so, <clears throat> a ketogenic diet or do you do you like carb cycling? What do you like I, to do? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I eat when I'm hungry. Right. So how often and, are, you, are you typically hungry in the course of a day? And it, it varies. I yeah. mean, I sometimes, I'm, I'm sometimes up till four in the morning, sometimes five in the morning, then sleep till noon. My sleep is fine, right? And then, I, then I'll then i go back to going to bed earlier and getting up earlier. So I get up, <clears throat> I might not eat anything till noon. Right, so you're doing some intermittent right. fasting. So yeah, and I and I do pay some attention to the 16-8. Uh, yeah. Intermittent fasting cycle. I like it's a power, powerful strategy that your body will eat the garbage. Yeah, autophagy because you're right. forcing it to, and that we were made to starve sometimes. Yeah, because there was a time when sometimes you had feasts and sometimes you had famines. So now, because we don't have the famines, we have to create the famines. Right, the famines we were we were made 
to do well with intermittent famines. Okay, I, I mean famines is a, is a negative word, but, but yeah, that's where it comes from, right? So yeah. because we don't, because it's not happening natural, we have to deliberately create that. Yeah, we got to be intentional about <clears> it. <throat> yeah, does it work? Absolutely works. I've also yeah. done fasting. 14 days is the longest fast I've done. Hmm. You know, I'm, but again, I'm not, I'm not fasting every three months or every this and that. Sure. Yeah. I try it out. I want to, I want to see what happens in my body when I do it. Yeah. So I'll do that. I eat mostly plants. Mm -hmm. And when I'm, when I'm on my own, I eat mostly raw. Okay. So mostly and, raw, and mostly organic. plants. Yeah. And, and for me, it's because if I look back, if you look back like not 200,000 years, but 6 million years mm -hmm. into our, into our ancestry, uh, they were, you know, first of all, nature's mandate was always fresh or raw organic. Right. Every creature eats its food raw. There, there are no, no creature runs around with a frying pan. Mm. Right? So, yeah. so fresh or raw organic is, it's always this place to aim for. And I tell people, start where you are and just head in that direction. If so what are your like, what are your like your top five favorite foods that you would <clears> say, you're consuming quite often on a, on a given week? Uh, broccoli's got to be really high mm -hmm. there. I love broccoli. I don't raw know broccoli, why. Raw broccoli or steamed? I eat it raw. You eat it raw. Okay. Yeah. yeah I eat it raw and I get tahini. Okay. I, you know, tahini, yep. organic. Oh yeah. Tahini. Yeah. Sesame seeds. Yep. Yeah. Ground yep. sesame seed. That's right. And I'll open it up. I pour off the sesame oil. Yeah. Cause it's I high omega-6. oil in it because it's a better oil. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then right. I, I I turn it into put in enough so that it's liquid. Yeah. And I'll dip the 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 uh, broccoli in that. Mm -hmm. That's that's like a that's like a whole meal. <laughs> right. I I eat cabbage. Yeah. Quite a bit. I eat lots of fruit as well. Mm -hmm. Lots. Well, not lots, but I I eat quite a bit of fruit. Apples yep. and oranges and bananas and. Um, uh, and part of it why I eat like that is because it's simple. Like I don't, you know, yeah. not much dishes to wash and not much sure, cooking yeah. to do. And I'm not burning stuff on the stove and, you know, and I'm always busy doing something else. So cooking is not yeah. like the thing that I think is what I, where I should spend my time. Sure. And, and uh, what else? I don't have, I have, I eat every once in a while, I'll have some bread, mm -hmm. but I'm more, I'm more plants, seeds and nuts. Yeah. What, what are, what's your favorite threes? type of meat? <clears throat> favorite type? Yep. Maybe caribou when my son goes hunting. Oh, there you go. Because he's wild getting game. Yeah, but yep. but it's rare. It's maybe two times a year, three times a year. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm I'm and I do that partly because his family, but yep. partly because I I if it wasn't for wild meat, I wouldn't be eating meat at all. I know too much about mm. how it's grown and how they're treated and all of that. It's like, now I don't think human beings were hundred percent vegan. Yeah. By nature. Of course not. Yep. But the research is pretty clear that if you want the longest life and the best health, then you do it on whole food plant-based plus a B12 supplement. You know, I, I actually really disagree with that research because I think it's based on epidemiological studies. And again, okay. when you're looking at surveys that people fill out, they're not, I mean, it's again, not as it's accurate a, as they should be. Yeah, it's a correlate. It's, it's okay. a correlation, right? There's correlation mm -hmm. there, but not causation yep. because 
you know, people yeah. that are going to basically say yeah. that they ate more vegetables and this and that tend to have healthier lifestyle habits, you know, just a lot of other factors that are involved in it. Right. But I, what I do think is that calorie restriction or at least, you know, uh, periodic calorie restriction, like we were talking about mm -hmm. that fasting, mm -hmm. I think that very much is associated with uh, longevity. <clears throat> I think that's, that's well done right. in the research. And I think controlling yeah. insulin, right? So keeping your, and, and which calorie restriction does. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some people are on plant-based diets or eating calorie restricted diets. So they're, because of that, getting their insulin levels down. I think that's really key because insulin drives up inflammation, cell, they, right. cell replication. They yeah. And they tend to be less, less overweight. True. But even exactly. that's not true because you can get fat on potatoes and totally and rice and, and grains. Totally. So yeah. I limit those. I don't have much of that in my house. Yeah. Uh, I, I have somebody living with me. My daughter came here. Yeah. Uh, she's a, a, a COVID escapee. So she's here <laughs> with, with my yeah. grandson. Uh, so she cooks a little different. When I was younger, I ate more meat. As I get older, I find it better and better on plants. I just well, it good. just works for me, and yeah, I'm used good. to I'm used to raw, simply because yeah. I've been doing it for a long time. Sometimes people have to take six months to two years, yeah, if they're going in that direction to get it going, because you have to get your your digestive system used to, yeah, that if if you've been eating cooked foods a lot, yeah, totally. We did our sense. first plant based diet in 1988. Mm -hmm. Through the U.S., we went to 35 states, 17,000 miles by road, 101 days, and we found out. And it was like worked all day, drove all night. <laughs> and this is when we were yeah. started talking about oils made with health in mind. And we found within the first two weeks, if we ate meat, we felt heavy, and if we ate carbs, mm. we got tired. And so we right. did the, the rest of the tour, 86 days on just raw vegetables, cabbage. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, cabbage and carrots and and just whatever, whatever we could get. We literally had a basket full of raw foods in the van that we that we drove in. We slept in the van. <laughs> Gosh, it was there it was go. quite a yeah. It was uh, it was so, and that was the first time I was on a plant plant only diet. We had energy to burn. Mm. We had so much energy. We literally, it was, and it was fun. Of course, we were excited and we were inspired. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but as, as older I get, the more I like plants. I still eat a little bit of dairy yeah. sometimes, uh, but I don't have any meat in the house. Not, yeah. not, not, none of it and no eggs either. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, no, if you're, if you're, they can be very good food at times. But I think we're, I think our, our food is too rich and animal foods in some ways are too rich mm. and don't have enough fiber in them. And fiber plays a huge role in our digestive health. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And then Interesting, I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I, don't I see fiber, I see fiber and probiotics as kind of like a, like a continuum or, or like a bell curve. I think that, yeah. There are some people that tend to thrive on a lower carb or a lower fiber prebiotic, lower prebiotic diet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there are other people that, that really need a lot of prebiotics, right? Uh, for example, you know, low FODMAPs diet. There's a lot of people that tend to do uh, just a lot better in general, uh, you mm -hmm. know, on a low FODMAPs diet. Uh, you know, there's a popularity now of a, of a carnivore diet. A lot of people are reversing autoimmune conditions. I think I would put them on the spectrum mm -hmm. of these are people that tend to just do well. Their microbiome yeah. does well. 
with yeah. less prebiotic foods. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's people that do really well like you on a raw plant-based diet and you're thriving on that and yeah. your body's doing really well, you know, with that, that high fiber, high probiotic or high prebiotic diet I, that somebody yeah. else may struggle with. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely high fiber in yeah, and that exactly. continue. And you thrive on when it. I, so. When I ate more animal product, I got constipated a lot. Yeah. For me, the fiber is a yeah. huge issue for bowel regularity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So your bi- your microbiome really really loves that, yeah. and I wonder if you I wonder if also that you uh, you had lower levels of stomach acid, right? So like one test that I actually will do on uh, a lot of different clients is we have like three tests basically like a steak mm-hmm. test. If you eat a steak on an empty stomach, right? Just eat a steak, uh, six ounces. Mm-hmm. How do you feel over the next three hours, right? If you're feeling constant, you know, if you're just feeling terrible, it's a sign your body's not producing enough stomach acid to really mm-hmm. metabolize and break it down. Then we do the, the broccoli test, right? So you eat broccoli, you know, you wait three hours, just broccoli, you should feel great, right? If you're feeling bloated, gassy, things like that, it's a sign you're, you probably have bacterial overgrowth in your small intestine mm-hmm. that's fermenting it too quickly. Maybe you're not producing enough pancreatic enzymes, and a lot of times those, those go together. Mm-hmm. And the third test is a fat bomb test, right? So you take basically, you know, like the coconut bombs, right, uh, with chocolate and coconut. So it's basically just like 200 grams of fat. You eat that, or I'm not 200 grams, but 200 calories, two to two to 400 mm-hmm. calories of fat. You eat that, and if you're struggling to digest that, and you're having indigestion, things like that, you have poor bile flow, right? So mm-hmm. that kind of helps oh, me understand. Okay, yeah. Where's this person really cool. at, right? I don't think so. I don't think I have problems either with hydrochloric acid or with bile, yeah. or or with uh, overgrowth. Yeah, because well, okay. yeah, that's a test that you could actually do to tell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you yep. know what? I'm going to play with my food. <laughs> <laughs> you can experiment. There you go. Yeah. Well, Udo, you also have a a oils book, right? So you have an oil change book and a mini course that you just recently came out with. And I think my listeners would be really interested yeah. in this. Uh, yeah, we have, uh, I have, I have a couple of websites. One is udoschoice.com, yeah. U-D-O-S choice. And on that, we talk about the oil and digestive enzymes, probiotics, yeah, a bunch of other stuff. And then I have another website It's called the Udo, T-H-E-U-D-O. Mm theudo.com and we have courses and educational material quite a lot of different educational material my my interests now are very wide ranging anything yeah. to do with nature and human nature right i have a book that's called we call it the book on total sexy health the eight key parts designed by nature so we talk about awareness that's the foundation that's where peace yeah. lives that's the core of our being it's invisible and mostly unnoticed because you'd mm-hmm. have to bring your awareness inward rather than outward. So awareness, then life energy, then insp- inspired creativity, then physical body, then survival smarts, then social group, uh, then environment, and then big picture, you know, terminal terminal body in an infinite universe. And to be and and each one of those affects health in a different way. Each one is different in the nat- its nature and function. Each one needs a different kind of attention. Each one goes off in a different way, and each one responds to a different kind of intervention. And so I'm doing an overview of a, of a coherent, comprehensive field of health, and as well a, a comprehensive field of human nature. 
And this and, is your second book. So Fatsa Heal, Fatsa Kill was your, yeah. your first book. Yeah. So this is your well, second it's book. It's actually my fifth, but oh okay. I have a I have a cookbook, the only Omega 3 oh, okay. cookbook. It's called Omega 3 Cuisine. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, the uh recipes for health and pleasure. Great. Where can people recipes. find that on Amazon or on your website? Yeah, you can find them. Yeah, you can find them yep. on the website, uh, theudo.com, uh, yep. Udo's Choice, and Amazon. <laughs> um, and uh, and that one is a, a book where we where that's full of plant-based recipes, because the cook these are not my recipes. Yeah, the, the chef is a is a vegan. Okay, and he he uh, he wrote the the recipes. And they basically, it's about how to use omega-3 oils in food preparation without damaging them. Yep. They always go sounds on, interesting. They always go on afterwards. Right. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, Udo, I mean, we could sit here and we yeah. could talk for hours. This has <laughs> yep, really been could. an honor of mine uh, <clears throat> to be able to, to meet you and talk with you. You're somebody that I've looked up to in the, in the field, and you've really been a pioneer. And I just want to take a moment and acknowledge yeah. you for that, just being a pioneer when it comes to natural yeah. health, nutrition, science. And uh, you've really helped the world and helped you know, millions of people at this point yeah. uh, through just, your book and your just, knowledge. Just, and yeah, just, people just, like me that that have used you as a reference to then help other people. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. thank you I, so much. We really appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah. Any last words of inspiration for I'm our a, audience? Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm a focus point. You know, what I what people point at me and say, oh, yeah, you did this and you did that. There were thousands of people involved in making that yeah. happen. You totally. know, from the, from the consumer end to the packaging end to the farmer end. I just happened to be blessed to be in the right place at the right time <laughs> at, with this with the right problem asking the right questions and yeah. then I just like whoo you know so so <clears throat> I don't want to take too much credit for sure, yeah well, all the things the that Lord, happened you know yeah, praise the Lord really. that you're in the right place at the right time <laughs> really yeah. exactly that's right exactly all right well thanks so much for your time and guys we'll see you guys on a future podcast go check out udo's website and his books really a lot of great material there and uh you know be sure to uh share this podcast with somebody that you know and that you love and uh, share it on social media as well so we appreciate that be blessed everybody Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.